all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm David. I'm Rachel. Yes, it's me again. And welcome to another episode of All Bad Things. Welcome again, everybody. Welcome, <laughs> <laughs> bienvenue, welcome. Oh, it's going to be very pertinent to our topic. Oh. Now, isn't it? Of course, you can follow us on all of our favorite social meds, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, and we have a Discord. At All Bad Things Pod. At All Bad Things Pod. Mm-hmm. And please uh, email us, yep. if you if you must, if you will. <laughs> if you'd like. <laughs> at All Bad all bad things pod at gmail.com. Yes. And again, that is our preferred source for uh, suggestions, suggestions or and, re- and mm-hmm. or research. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And we do have a Discord. That's true too. Uh, we have not yet expand not yet expanded to TikTok, but I mean, I feel that's inevitable at some point. I don't know. For you, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was showing you today. I, I, I don't consume nearly. As much. I consume maybe one one thousand of TikTok that you do. Probably. I um I got a new phone because I'm officially splitting my business and personal phone lines. And at one point today I was I was telling you I was watching TikTok on one phone and looking at Instagram on the other phone in the other hand and I have a problem is what I'm letting yes. everybody know. Not really though. I, I, I think that's more of a that's just a thing. I guess. A lot of people have two phones these days. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I am also holding up pretty darn well, if I do say so myself, for someone one month into tax season. I think I'm doing pretty good. You're only slightly crazier only than you were this time this year, last year. That's this true. year than you were last year. <laughs> That's true. Um, let me see. Do we need to catch up on anything? Well, uh, several things have happened since the last time we recorded, which was, I think, like two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. The, no, we're uh, recording at the very end of January. Yes. The Buffalo Bills <laughs> made it all the way to the AFC Championship. Pretty much, I, I think you could call the game against KC a, on the verge blowout. of a blowout, mm-hmm. kind of. They, they weren't necessarily ready for that team, but hey... Uh, it had been 27 years since they'd even played in the AFC Championship, wow. uh, which was also against the Kansas City Chiefs. Really? Who at the time were quarterbacked by Joe Montana. Oh. Which the last time they played in the AFC Championship, this was would have been the 93 season going into the year 94. That would have turned out to have been Joe Montana's last game. Huh. Was against the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship. Okay, I was gonna say Jolton Joe, but I'm pretty sure that's Dimaggio. <laughs> that is. That's a very it's a different sport. Different era. Different era. Everything. It's a different everything. Oh, Jolton different. Joe Montana. <laughs> it's a different America. <laughs> so that happened, and as I as I previously stated on the podcast, I was my expectations were all met mm-hmm. after they won their first playoff game right. because they won 13 games. I predicted 11 at most. I did not they, see them winning 13 games. They won games. two playoff games, right? Yes. My my expectation was just to win one. Well, they exceeded your expectations Exactly. Then. So Keep the fact, your expectations the fact that they, low, they will always be exceeded. Yes. And <laughs> keeping your expectations low is part of being a Buffalo Bills fan. I think so. <laughs> Maybe not anymore, though. 
<laughs> we'll see. Oh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We shall see. So what else has happened since then? You said several things, and that was just the first thing. I just, was thinking, like, the Robin Hood thing. Well, that's what I was about to bring up, yes. Also, you know what's so ironic? Capitalism, this, capitalism is under attack. This literally just occurred to me, and it's ridiculous because I'm sure everyone else has thought of it, that... Uh, that Robin Hood is an ironic moniker for an app it that helps facilitate, uh, yeah, and, what it did. <laughs> and when they shut down trading for certain companies, people were saying they should just change their name to Sheriff, Sheriff of Nottingham. Yep, that that would make sense. Yep. But they opened up trading again to GameStop, AMC, certain other companies. GameStop mm-hmm. surged again today, and I mm-hmm. think it closed at like $325 a share, something like that. Well, there you go. Which was up from 190 something yesterday. I used to think that our last, very last episode topic would be on climate change, but I think capitalism might be worse than climate change <laughs> because capitalism is a large part of what's fueled climate change. That, that, that is, actually, that's very true. I never, you know? kind of never think of it oh, that Jesse's way. Jesse's going to, just careful, Jesse's going to start eat the, eating your papers. That's no, okay. He just wants to sit on it. But, uh, but yeah, essentially... What has happened, just to break it down in layman's terms, what has happened is what Wall Street does to average Americans on a daily basis, all the time, no big deal, Mm -hmm. is now happening, not to them as a whole, but to a couple of them. They're getting thrown out on their ass and losing all their money, and hey... That's the way the game's played. Last I last I checked, <laughs> it's uh, all I'll say. It's a free market until the people who are holding the purse strings decide it's not. Mm-hmm. So if we think we have some sort of, first of all, we do not have a free market society, because if we had a truly free market society, a bunch of us would be fucking dead because there it would be zero social safety net. There's already <laughs> such a minimal one. <laughs> That's true. There's always already a massively minimal one. But uh, there is a there is something we've decided we're not completely heartless assholes. Well, I say that, but clearly Wall well, Street has decided they are. The the population of America is not completely heartless assholes. The majority right. of us. It's the people who, who the are in charge are. of things. The privileged are. Yes. And that is why wealth and that's, is. That's a you have to make that. Um, well, it's why it's why wealth is not something to be pursued. I'm sorry. I'm going to say that because that's the difference between the 1% and the not 1%. It's not like they're the sociopaths, although there does appear to be some correlation. But money is bad for people. I'm sorry. Wealth is bad for people. Too much money is bad that, for that's, people. You're right. Too much money is bad for people. Period. End of story. Money is a tool, but they wield it around as, you know... Because they can. Yep. Yeah. Why does anybody do anything? Yep. Because they can. Fucking sucks, and it's just <laughs> bullshit. And... But anyway, uh, that that I'm sorry. story. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm don't so be, sorry. Don't be so sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, this is gonna play out for a while. This this is certainly not something that's even close to being over. Mm-hmm. So um, dog we, we bite see. update. Oh, two yes. weeks out. Healing quite nicely. Pretty much. Yeah. I feel it's pretty much closed up. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely closed up. It's. Scarring and mm-hmm. gonna scar, but whatever. I'll just say I was in a bar fight. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'll tell the truth. But as far as I know, dog is out of quarantine. I never heard anything, so obviously the dog was fine. Yeah. Got back to its owners. Um, I'm done with the antibiotics, which I'm really glad about because 
antibiotics can kind of mess up the system sometimes. Um, and so I'm just dealing with the normal agita of tax season. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I am neither researching nor hosting this yes. episode. Yes, this episode is brought to us by Lee, listener Lee. Lee Hutch, author. Yes. Author Lee Hutch. Lee Hutch. I, I'm just used to not giving out people's last names, but no, I but think he's he, a, he... he's an author. Yes, he is. And we want to plug his book, mm-hmm. So Others May Live. I believe he is also... Working on a second. ...getting close on his second book. I don't... I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it's called Molly's Song. I could be wrong. I think you're I right. I apologize, Lee, if I'm wrong. Um, but... Uh, but second book is in the works because I'm pretty sure he's actually submitted it like to the editing process. I, um, I believe he said that on his Facebook done. page. He's done writing yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. We normally don't give out last names, but we want to plug Lee Hutch, True. the author, because he's a writer too. And you'll get a, a nice is, and, fun and free sample a, of his writing. And it is a pen name. That's not his actual name. Y- yeah. Yeah. So. It's a version of his name. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. But always very excited, obviously, to get a script from yeah, super helpful. any listener, but yeah. much less one that is a actual An published actual author. author. <laughs> um, yes, and we have, yes, we have all of the scripts in the in the queue. Uh, Lee and Lee's was recently submitted, but totally admit we just let him jump to the front of the queue. Um, he, Lee is one of our longest time loyal listeners he is i think so um he's been around a while (laughs) (laughs) yes he has somehow he's held on and uh and we knew that like we could just we could just read it yep yep not not a whole lot of uh yeah there there wasn't a whole lot like normally scripts that we get from listeners and this i'm not saying this is a bad thing but you gotta read through them and you want to Different add people have different approaches. Exactly. Some people yes. give full-blown scripts. Some people, it's like, well, here's an outline, you know, flush it out. Um, and all of that is helpful. It's just, um, oh, by the way, if you have emailed me, and I have emailed you back an incredibly short response to an incredibly long email, it's because it's tax season. I apologize so much for how, like, not on the ball I am with keeping up with everybody. Forgive I Rachel really from uh, January to May. Well, mid-April, at least. Well, well, I'll give you the extra, yeah, you. extra couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, this episode is No Good Deed Goes Unpunished, The Bizarre De La, Chale- De La Charité Fire of 1897. I'm going to bump over that quite a, quite a okay. bit, I think. The Bizarre, Bizarre De, La De La Charité Fire of 1897. So... I think he put this in here as just a note, not for me to read, but just for me to have. But I'm going to read it anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, director's note. Ah, Start. director's note. I love it. Lee's like, look, guys, <laughs> I know you. You need a little direction. Let me give you a... I love that. Lee knows us so well. Yes. Start with the usual banter. One star review corner, if applicable. applicable. I don't have... Uh, I haven't been looking. I can't. Yeah. And, I, and I, don't have, uh, uh, I don't have a way to look that up myself, really. Uh, political rants, done that. Yep, check. Discussion of beverages. Oh, oh, let's do that. Good reminder, Lee. Yeah, thank you, Lee, for reminding We're us. We're both drinking the same thing. Uh, we are drinking the 
you picked this out. I did. The Victory Twisted Monkey Belgian Style Blonde Ale with Mango. It's actually it's pretty good. It is pretty good. They do the Twisted Monkey, which is the... Is it, no, no, no. This is the Twisted Monkey. Sorry. They do the... What's the... The mon- Golden Ale. Golden Monkey. Yeah. Or is the triple, right? Yeah. It's like 10% like, or 11%. Yeah. They do a triple that's... <laughs> yeah. Wicked. But yeah, this is this is good. So victory, what what is it called again? I'm sorry, victory golden twisted monkey. Oh, victory uh-huh. twisted monkey. Okay, it is a Belgian style blonde with mango. They're out of where are they out of? Not Downington, sure. Pennsylvania. How about it? I didn't know that they get huge distribution. Yes, they do. So, <laughs> and be sure to give the location of Demetrius and Jesse Pinkman. They are right the alongside bed. us. Yes, uh, Demetrius sends his love to Anastasia Colleen. Yes, Grand Duchess. Mm-hmm. So that is his, uh, that's his director's note. Director's note. And cut. <laughs> Good job, Lee. So, uh, and then we go on to, please read after opening banter. <laughs> I love that. This episode is dedicated to the firefighters and medics who have given their lives during the COVID pandemic Aww. so that others may live, one of whom I was proud to know and work alongside. Aww. As Kipling said, I had, uh, quote, I have eaten your bread and salt. I have drunk, I have drunk your water and wine. The deaths ye died I have watched beside, and the lives that ye led were mine, unquote. Aw. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good dedication, and also very, very fittingly sad. So, going into one of our most famous, or most most common topics on the show, a fire. Fires, yes. Uh, so. By a former firefighter yes. and arson investigator. Yes. So, he, he knows might, shit. He might know a thing I think he might know about this. And it's historical too. Mm-hmm. So this is like Lee's uh, Venn diagram. Of... It is. It's like it's like the it's like the it's like the apex of the vortex of, of joint of joint engineering. <laughs> I love the look on your face when you said that. You're like, is this gonna sound good? <laughs> it did sound good. Good. <laughs> I bet you don't know what movie that's from. No. I, oh, it's from a movie. That's from Pineapple okay. Express. <laughs> Is that a Wes Anderson film? No, that's uh, that's Seth Rogen and uh, and Who James uh, it? uh, somebody. I thought it was a Wes Anderson film. No, it's not. It's definitely no. not Wes Anderson. No, no, because he's a little weird for me. Yeah, he's a little too far out there for me too. I saw Royal Tenenbaums and no, I, I was make like, of it. I was like, yeah. I mean, that's I I like certain types of humor that people don't get, and mm-hmm. there are all certain. But yeah, Wes Anderson, I'm like, yeah, it's just a little too weird. Pineapple Express. I have never seen that. Yeah, it's uh, Seth Rogen and James Ra- Franco. James, James Ranko. James, James Frank Ranko. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be er- great. Erection, insurrection. <laughs> Inciting an erection. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if Chuck Schumer can make that stumble, you can make the yes, James, can. James Ranko. Yeah, uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up Chuck Schumer erection oh, well no, you might not want to <laughs> i was gonna say i was trying to word it just Inciting look up erection or, or, or just look up uh mystique. chuck schumer erection insurrection <laughs> it's pretty damn funny anyway on to the topic at hand so the introduction ah paris the city of lights the city of love if you are lucky and what better time to be there than during La Belle Epoque from 1880 to 1914, unless you were poor, that is, but that goes without saying. 
It was a great time of optimism, which the outbreak of World War I brought to a crashing halt. There were technological advances, advancements, music, and art. It was a period which saw the Eiffel Tower unveiled, the Moulin Rouge opened, and you could check out the Can-Can dancers. The world with all of its splendor was there for the taking, which is exactly what the European powers were busy doing during this era, but I digress. On May 4th, 1897, all of that unbridled optimism met with a stark reminder of how mortal we truly are when a fire tore through a charity bazaar in Paris's 8th arrondissement. I'll get into what that means in a little bit. Killing 126 people, Mm. mostly women, and mostly aristocratic women at that. Mm. So, full disclosure corner. Okay. (laughs) Yes, I'm a retired fireman. I have long had a professional obsession with studying historical fires, no matter how obscure. However, I had not heard of this tragedy until January 2019. Hmm. I was in the hospital for a week, one of my all-too-frequent hospital stays. It was late evening, my wife had gone home for the night, and I was all alone and hopped up on morphine. (laughs) Yeah. If you've been in the hospital, you know it gets boring at night, especially if you can't sleep. Mm. My wife does not let me flirt with the nurses after the time (laughs) I was speaking Russian with one of them and introduced my wife as my sister. (laughs) 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 can i say but that's another story and that was entirely due to fentanyl after surgery okay now whatever now that's a good excuse lee pretty good one i'm gonna use that but one day well first of all one day i certainly hope to meet lee in person yes hey hey lee i might be going to new orleans next year for for football yeah if you care to join um and uh (laughs) I am also, I really want to meet Lee's wife. Yes. I feel she is a long-suffering woman. She might be. (laughs) Sounds like it. Actually, the impression I've gotten is that she can can, uh, take and then give as good as she's been taking. So that's that's Probably even more so. It's important to have... uh, Uh, someone who can who can put up with your shit. Yes, that's 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 my love life advice for everybody. Find someone who can put up with your bullshit. Exactly, and whose bullshit you can put up with. But yes, if they if there are going to be fans in the stands next year, if everything is back to normal in the fall, which I'm not this fall. Yeah, I'm, Ooh, I'm that's, not. That's a tough one. But uh, yeah, throw this out there, Lee. The the Buffalo Bills are playing in New Orleans next year, and that is he's the... in Texas though. Oh, that's right. He is. I keep. He grew up in Louisiana. Yeah, I think so. Well, either way, if he wants to go back, it's not that far. It's farther for us yeah. than it is for him. Yeah. Yeah, I keep. I he is in Texas. I do keep thinking his he's still in Louisiana. Anyway, we have a lot of listeners, a lot of loyal listeners in Texas. Yes, we do. Shout out, yes, Texas. we do. Shout out to Texas. What? What? Never been there, but they have no state income tax. There you go. <laughs> One of seven states. I believe so. There we go. Yeah. Can you name the others? No, we're not no, going to bother. Go. No. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> So back to his uh, story of being in the hospital and how he stumbled out oh, upon right. this uh-huh. disaster. So there wasn't anything good on TV that night, so thankfully I had my laptop with me and I opened up Netflix. As I was scrolling through my viewing options in my morphine-induced haze, I saw a series called Bonfire of Destiny. Hmm. Okay, I have to be brutally honest here. What caught my eye about it was the picture, which featured a <laughs> lovely red-headed French actress, Audrey Fleurot. Whom I'd, whom I'd actually seen in another series called A French Village, set during World War II. So, full disclosure, mm-hmm. further in Full Disclosure Corner, 
if Lee does not mention this, he is a sucker for redheads. He's well, he's, being one he's of literally about to get to know Okay, that. sorry. Sorry, we, Lee, we, uh, I spoiler alerted your own <laughs> diet. We all have our preferences, and I like redheads. I'll only ever date red... I, I've only ever dated redheads. I've only ever married redheads. It is what it is. Anyway... <laughs> I watched the series, and the first episode dealt with this fire in Paris in 1897. I had not heard of it before, and it prompted me to dig a little deeper. What I found was quite a remarkable story, but one that is all too familiar for those who study historical fires. And I guess if I'm oversharing here already, as a person with a couple of degrees in history, I love, in all caps, women of the late Victorian and Edwardian eras. Yes, he has many a history crush from that area. Yes, he does. Era. In my time in Rona quarantine, I learned how to colorize black and white photos, which we've yes, all seen. Yes, seen his work. And I spend way too much time adding color to photos of late 19th century and early 20th century sex workers and yes. Russian grand, du- grand duchesses, as any of you who are friends with me on Facebook <laughs> and see my personal timeline know. Yes, indeed. He has also shared many. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Molly's song is about a sex worker in the late 1800s. Again, Lee, I apologize if I'm completely misrepresenting your next work. but we, Spoiler we, we alert. Are, we are uh, awaiting it with bated breath. We're hyping up your book to the thousand people that listen to us <laughs> to give you that bump. <laughs> So as much as I would like to tell you that it was my professional background as a firefighter Mm. and my lifelong pursuit of fire-related knowledge that led me to this tragedy, it wasn't. It's just because I have a thing for redheads and a thing for (laughs) women from this time period. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. So the sources. This fire has a Wikipedia page, albeit a brief one. After the series came out, the fire received mention on various blogs and websites in reference to the show, and I found a few journal articles about it. There are also French-language sources, of course, given the fact that in 1897 the fire received a ton of coverage, not just in France, but internationally. It is kind of odd that memory of the fire faded. Now, I'm a Louisiana boy, Louisiana boy, born and raised south of I-10 in the French part of the state. I do know Louisiana French, but that is not the same as France French. There is a bit of debate as to whether it is a dialect or a separate language. Basically, Louisiana French, or Cajun French, as it is more commonly known, is a 17th century French dialect with the addition of some Native American and English words. That said, there is some mutual intelligibility, and so I had to dust off a language I hadn't spoken (laughs) in about 10 years to read and watch some French sources. I want to be clear, though. Despite being from Southern Louisiana, I am not, in all caps, Cajun. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. We believe you, Lee. Uh, You know, uh, when he was researching this, he he messaged me and he was like, am I remembering right that you studied French in high school? I was like, okay, Lee. So you are technically very well remembering that I probably mentioned that while I was homeschooling myself... I did, quote, take French. (laughs) (laughs) And by that, I mean I listened to the little language tapes and cheated my way through like every other subject. So, yeah, I was very little help. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, though some are more recent immigrants than others, my entire family is from Ireland. Mm-hmm. By the middle of the 19th century, New Orleans had the third largest number of Irish immigrants behind only New York City and Boston. I didn't know that. I did not know that I either. I didn't know that. 
We went to work digging the canals, fighting the fires, and policing the streets, just like we did in every major American mm-hmm. city at that time. I remember Bill Burr, yeah. the comedian, making a joke about that, about Irish people. who's like Irish immigrants in the late eight. Like, just put them in a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Put them to work in a uniform, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's what Irish people did. They wore uniforms. That's like true. If you think about it, like, back in the day, like, um, the sort of stereotype of the, the Irish cop of uh, um, New York or Boston. Mm-hmm. I did not know that Louisiana had such a significant I Irish I did not population. know that either. Uh, an estimated 20,000 Irish immigrants died digging the new basin canal, which gave wow. rise to the following ditty. Uh, what? In, I'm sorry, what? Following Diddy. You know, like a little little Diddy about Jack and Diane? Oh, oh little, okay. You know. <laughs> Here's a little story. So, it includes, an, it includes an offensive ethnic slur for Irish people. Oh. But I am Irish by ethnicity and also citizenship, citizenship so I gave, That's right. give permission to use it here for historical purposes. Besides, I'm a walking Irish stereotype, a 6'4", 200-pound Irish Catholic firefighter who boxed. But at least I don't drink. I do love me some potatoes, though. So this <laughs> well, is the who little potatoes are great. So this is the little ditty. Okay, so so full disclosure, this is a quote from Lee. Yes. Okay. Ten thousand mix, they swung their picks to dig the new canal, but the cholera was stronger than they, and twice it killed them all. Mm. Uh, I'm guessing he means cholera. the twenty thousand. Twenty thousand people died of cholera. Yeah. Which makes sense. Oh. We gave our name to a neighborhood in Nola, the Irish Channel, where five generations of one side of my family were born. Hmm. Though there are very few Irish or Irish Americans in that neighborhood today, they still hold one hell of a St. Patrick's Day parade every year. <laughs> that is a blend of Irish, French, Caribbean, and African cultures. That sounds like fun. I wonder if... No, probably not Like timeline-wise. I don't think that uh, Mardi Gras and... Uh, St. Oh, Patrick's yeah. Day would ever fall on the same day because Lent it starts the day after Mardi Gras and it's 40 days out of Easter and Easter is late if it's mid-April. So. True. But can you imagine if it did? You're right. <laughs> is what I'm saying. The parade is a thing of beauty. After Hurricane Katrina when Mayor Nagan referred to New Orleans as a chocolate city he really should have called it a mint chocolate city mm-hmm. because there's always been plenty of green here too. A mint chocolate city. That's cute. Holy digression, Batman. (laughs) I'm supposed to be writing about a fire in Paris, where they speak French. I think that's how I got off track. Anyway, back to the story. I say all of that to say that despite growing up in a a Francophone era... Francophone. Francophone area, I do not have any particular cultural affinity for France. My wife is German, and she has a cultural affinity for invading France, though. (laughs) Also, this is why, this is this is an insight into yes. the needling that Lee does of his yes. wife. I'm sure on a daily basis, she's a woman of patience. Also, when we eventually reach the section about the fire, which is pretty much going to be in the second episode. Oh, so we're doing. Yes. That's right. So yes, this is. Part You'll one. see. Everyone is going to because it has a part, part one, one on it. But I, so number one, thank you, Lee, for being long long winded because we got two episodes out of it. Yes. <laughs> and two, this is all the background, and then we'll get it to is. the yes. the tragedy next week. All okay. the build up to <clears throat> when the fire and how it how it occurs. And when you have a, a history professor writing it, yeah. you need the history behind mm-hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. 
I have included direct quotes from witnesses and survivors, and as a history professor, I've always thought it best at times to let the participants mm -hmm. in historical events speak for themselves whenever they have left us a record. Yeah. So, geography corner. Ah. I do not mean to insult anyone's intelligence, but Paris is the capital of France. I think, <laughs> okay. I think most well. people know that. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. That's true, but Boston is not. No, Boston is. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> okay, kidding. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> So <laughs> that's good. That goes back many episodes. Yes. Um, I, I myself would be somebody who would say, oh, yeah, Paris is the capital of France. Wait, no, that's too obvious. It's like a, it's like one of those. Sometimes it is. You know, it's like, like one New of those SAT like, question. New York City is not the capital of anything. It's that not. A, it's not even the capital of New York State. No. Which kind of makes <laughs> no sense. Albany. <laughs> yes. What is Albany like? Have you ever been to Albany? Uh, it's just gray and cold and just nothing. It's just... Is what I picture. Is it the Scranton of New York? I you know is I haven't Harrisburg of New York. I growing up in New York and traveled traveling all over the state in mm -hmm. the winter time because I grew mm -hmm. up playing hockey, which I did. I've played literally all over New York State. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm there in the summer and I'm there in the moment, I just still think of New York as just gray just and cold it. and <laughs> snow and just fuck this place. <laughs> Although New York City itself is pretty magical in the winter. I don't think I've ever been. I've never been in the winter. I am honestly just speaking of what I've seen in Home Alone. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> we'll just go off that then. Okay. The former president was almost in Home Alone too. He, so, he technically was. Did I say almost? Yeah, you said oh, almost. Oh, I meant to yeah. say also. Also, in, yes. In he, Home Alone yes, too. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And somehow the fact so that he not... was ever the president is a historical fact now that we will all have to live with and uh, and die on our conscience with. So. <laughs> not me. <laughs> well, it happened on our watch. It did. But there's only so much we can do. Anyway... Before we go even more off board. <laughs> he so, put the, Lee put the, the, the political digressions at the beginning, yes. damn it. <laughs> so Paris is the capital of France. Okay. Thank you for not insulting my intelligence, Lee, but I appreciate the confirmation. Yeah. There is also a Paris, Texas. I spent yes, a year is. there one weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Paris, <laughs> Paris, France sits astride the Seine River. The Seine. The Seine. That's right. It is the Seine. If you ever visit the city... Take care not to tumble into the river or you'd be, wait for it, completely insane. insane. <laughs> I love a good pun. That was a good one, Lee. Love uh, it. The love city, it. The city is divided into 20 municipal administrative districts known as arrondissements, which I had mentioned before. Oh, okay. So that's essentially what it is. It's their version of a city district. Okay. Which, um... Would that kind of equate to sort of parishes in... Probably, because that's what they call Norland, them. And right? in, like, in uh, Nashville, they call pikes, they call them pikes, yeah. like, around the area. Like, different every... Different municipalities Different regions have, have different, their own... Yeah. Have their own lingo. Uh, yeah, most of the places I've lived have just have, like, counties and towns. Or and neighborhoods. Cities. Yeah, but those aren't yeah, really official. They're not. Other than, like, zoning. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. So that's okay, so, so an arrondissement is their version of a arrondissement. Arrondissement is yeah their version of just how they split up the city into districts. Okay. The bizarre de la Charité fire occurred in the eighth arrondissement. So it's numbered. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Known as the Elysee, the eighth is right on the bank of the River Seine. Visit today, and you can stroll down the Champs Elysees. Champs Elysees. Vi- yes. Visit mm-hmm. the Arc de Triomphe and see the official residence of the French president. Ew. Who the- is? Is it Macron? It is still Macron. I'm pretty yeah, it is still him. Macron? Yeah. No. <laughs> he has like one of the lowest approval ratings of any president on earth, but is somehow he the he's the guy who like left his wife while he was president or something, something cheated like that. on his wife yeah. or uh, David and Rachel discussed French politics. <laughs> <laughs> he did something. <laughs> Which we know nothing about. He bought uh, he bought shares of GameStop. <laughs> the eighth was a happening place in eighteen ninety seven as well. Throughout the 19th century, the area saw the addition of many ornate buildings, theaters, and parks. If you went back in time, you'd see wealthy women in beautiful dresses strolling down the streets. But if you pulled back the curtain a bit, you would find that despite the veneer of great wealth, Paris had a teeming underclass, which lived in abject poverty and miserable slums, much like you would find in London or New York during that era. Pretty much every major city. Demetrius! In that era. Demetrius. Come on. Come on. Join the family. Is he, did he come in? No. Come here. Demetrius. He He's just thinking want, about it. He just wants to scratch on the door. Demetrius. Then we're out. All right. He's out. And we're back. What were we talking about? Oh, the teeming underclass. Yes. So, uh, I feel... I have li- literally never seen Les Miserables, but I feel like I it's either. around this era. Probably. Um, all apologies to Victor Hugo Or is Hugo it doing fans. the French Revolution? Oh, God. Maybe. I think it is. I think Les Miserables <laughs> takes place during then. This is then. how little I know about both <laughs> French literature and uh, musical theater. Or just, so. like, the French in general. I know there's, like, a, I Dreamed a Dream and Anne Hathaway shaved her head. Oh, yeah, and that's right, she did. And Gerard Butler. So, and Russell Crowe. So, yes, like any major city in the world at the time, there there was obvious, you know, poverty-stricken well, areas. and much like today, mm-hmm. and always. And always. Massive yeah. wealth disparity. Yeah. None of that wealth at the top ever seemed to trickle down, quote-unquote, to them. Mm. Funny how that always seems to be the case. Yeah, that is funny, isn't it? Is that what Lee said? Yes. Ah, oh, yep, 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 yep. But that wouldn't keep us from trying for the better part of the past 150 years. No. <clears throat> so, history corner. Paris has a long, fascinating, and frequently bloody history that need not detain us here, other than to say that Paris was no stranger to unrest and tragedy. I recommend an excellent, if a little long, novel by Edward Rutherford called Paris. Yeah. All right? Okay. And if the lives of women during the French Revolution interest you, there is an amazing novel called Ribbons of Scarlet. Or you could just play Assassin's Creed Unity. Really? That so. Oh. I have always been mildly interested in the idea of playing an Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. Like the maybe pirate maybe one we'll get this one. And... I have the pirate one. You have the pirate one, the black flag. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. I wanted to get the third one because that deals with the Revolutionary War. Mm. I guess the thing is these are assassins that are time travelers, but I've never Something like that. Yeah. I've never played any of the games at all i'd be interested but in playing maybe. a game that takes place during the french revolution that'd be pretty badass assassins okay so which one is assassin's, assassin's creed? creed unity unity okay. unit unity that's from the that's from the 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 dave chappelle sketch when he's playing rick james that's the ring <laughs> that's the ring that he's wearing where he punches um uh, uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, brother? Charlie Murphy's. Charlie, Charlie, Mur- Charlie Mur- Murphy! <laughs> Unit, Unity! <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I had a great opportunity to use the what did the five fingers say to the face? <laughs> ah! Slap. Um, yeah, on oh, Twitter it was so in. fun. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. Oh, <laughs> rest in peace, Charlie Murphy. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Let's move on. <laughs> the idea to hold an annual charity bazaar originated with an Englishman named Harry Blunt. He was the son of Sir Edward Blunt, a financier of railway business in France. And great-great-great-grandfather of Emily Blunt. Sure. Although it's not no spelled idea. the same. No. Oh, what is it spelled? With an O. Okay. Blount so, or Blunt. So I've always, the thing. I've here, always known it as Blunt. Here in North Carolina, we've got a Blunt Street, and it's mm-hmm. spelt Blount, but it's it pronounced Blunt. So, yeah. It could be Blount, could be Blunt. I've always known it to be pronounced that way, but anyway. So, uh, Henry Blunt organized the first event in 1885, and it quickly became an annual tradition for the French Catholic aristocracy to take part. So, rich Catholic people. Yeah, and basically, a, a bazaar is is basically like a... a thr- well, not a, a flea market, right? Right. It's, it's the... It, think of it as like a food truck rodeo today. It's the same concept. But it's for getting, charity. For right. raising money for charity. Like uh, a pop-up market. Right. Oh, the pop-up market yeah. of the day. Yeah, pretty much. Of course, I had to translate it into something millennial, but... Well, it's the, it's the same concept. Yeah, Like, right? it really is. Um, so each year the event would be held in a different location with various charities coming together to share the cost of putting the event on. Mm. The year prior to the fire, the charity bazaar raised 937,000 francs. That sounds like a lot. Remember that number okay. will become relevant later. 937,000 francs. Was it? Francs. minutes. Yeah, I don't know that I one. I don't know that song either. Yeah. I just know. Did you off. just make up a song? <laughs> <laughs> you said you didn't know it either. I know it's in the office. They did a parody of it when when Michael left. I don't know the actual song it's based on. I just know the office version. <laughs> that's what it like. That's like watching Die Hard ninety thousand times or whatever they said. Anyway, I'll show you the scene later. Let's move on. <laughs> Onto fire department corner. Oh, mm. so many corners. Yes. I feel like we've had five corners. We have. This is a fun room. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. I was going to try to think of what the... Uh, no. Uh, like a hexagonal room or something? Uh, there you go. That's actually the, that's the exact word I was... Eight. Yes. I can't talk about a fire without giving you some info on the fire department of that area. And in the case of Paris, it is truly interesting. The city of Paris is protected by a fine, highly trained fire department, and Even what many—I guess so—and oh. what many people don't know is that the Paris Fire Brigade is actually part of the French Army and has been oh. for quite some time. Makes sense. It does. I mean, there's uh, in in police and fire departments, there's a strong there's hierarchy, a, just like yeah. There's like a there's a special teams. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. it's kind of what it is. Likewise, the city of Marseille is protected by a naval fire battalion. Is it not Marseille? I've always, I've always thought it was Marseille. The Treaty of Marseille, Marseille. No, Marseille. you're. T- that's the Treaty of Versailles. Versailles. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Versailles. I was not thinking Marseille. You're right. It is Marseille and Versailles. <laughs> <laughs> next thing, next thing you know, Jews are going to start praying to Jesus. <laughs> to explain everybody please if i may if i may just just come in why are you holding the microphone i don't know (laughs) it's tax season 
So, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but this is my first season preparing a Schedule F. I have a farmer now um, as a client. I have... Um, <laughs> I don't... This is... Yeah, we're going we're gonna to continue talking about a fire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that has been... Rachel's breakdown corner. Let's move on. <laughs> yes, that'll, that'll be the new uh, warm-up to our act. <laughs> you, just wait till you hear mid-April, Rachel's breakdown corner. <laughs> oh, my God. This hear, is only won't, January. You won't hear anything. She'll just be in the corner. I'll just go like this. <laughs> so, the, the, uh, so, so the official term for the fire department in Paris is the Brigade de Sepios Pompiers de Paris. May I try? You may. <clears throat> I enjoy pretending I can speak other languages. Sure. I'm sure I butchered that, but. Very good. That was better than mine. I don't know if that was right, but. New recruits enlist directly into the fire brigade, but they undergo the same basic military training as all French army recruits in addition to months of fire and rescue training. Though they do not carry weapons on their fire trucks on Bastille Day each, each year, they do march with military rifles as a as a reminder of their military role. Hmm. So that's interesting. It's it's probably not the well anyway. <laughs> what were you thinking? I was gonna say this probably that, that's probably maybe the way we used to do it over here, but I kind of you want my military and firemen separate. Not paramilitary yeah, organization. I, yeah. So. So I, don't, I don't want. I don't want firefighters going to Afghanistan. U.S. military is a is a different animal. Yeah. From other countries, I feel. Yeah, I was like, oh, we should do it that way. No, we shouldn't. Um, but I feel our, like our our firemen in the United States are pretty much municipal. Right or county. Yeah. One or the other, but they do. I mean, they do have very similar structures. Like they have the mm-hmm. same ranks. Sure. In general, and. Uh, or, or the ideas are very regimented, mm-hmm. very similar to yeah. military. Yeah. <laughs> when, a, when everybody's favorite Corsican, Napoleon, crowned himself emperor, Paris was protected by a grand total of 239 firefighters. That, Ooh, that's not a lot. Like a lot. They received low wages, little training, and hardly any equipment. Most had to take on outside work to make ends meet. That yeah, sounds yeah. like teachers, yeah. <laughs> for example, or, 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 or most, cops. Or most or, workers in America. Yeah. Depending on where you are today in some parts of the U.S., we still get relatively yeah. low wages and equipment that has sometimes well past its shelf life. Shelf life. Yeah. Most of us have at least one side hustle. Yeah. That, you know what? That is so fucking mm-hmm. sad and true. Yeah. Being an urban firefighter, it always kind of amused me to see how suburban firefighters would dismiss oh. us as being ghetto firemen. They made 15k more a year than we did, had brand new trucks and very uh, few calls. Funding. My first engine was a 1978 La France. I was born in 1978, <laughs> and we fought more fires in a month than some of those suburban guys did in a year, mm-hmm. but I'll end my rant there. Hmm. On July very 1st, tactful. yes. On July 1st, 1810, a fire broke out at the Austrian embassy during a ball held to celebrate the marriage of Napoleon to Maria Louise of Austria. Not to be confused with Princess Victoria Louise of Prussia, whom I have a huge history crush on. Lee and his history crush. Yes. Again, his wife is kind of a saint. Yes. A German saint. Mm-hmm. A red-headed German saint. At that time, the fire brigade in Paris had two, that's right, two ladders. Oh, my God. Napoleon and his wife got out, but the wife of the Austrian ambassador died along with a dozen or so other guests. Jesus. Wow. Napoleon was furious. He observed that only six firemen showed up, and they were all drunk. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> we, yeah. had, 
we have some volunteer fire departments in my state that still operate this way. <laughs> I've never lived anywhere with a volunteer to fire department. I did my hometown. That's really? What, yeah, it was volunteer. I mean, to my knowledge, yep. anyway, because we lived in larger... I mean, Miami does not yeah, the, have a volunteer fire department. Yeah, Ogden, Ogdensburg is the closest city to where I grew up. That was like you know, 25 miles away, 30 so, miles so away. So Messina had a volunteer? Volunteer, fire? still does, yeah. So... Is the concept of a volunteer fire department... It's volunteer. And they, like, stave things off until the real people get there? I... Around where I... I don't... The real people were never coming. You, you just had to... It's... They're real firefighters with well, real training and stuff like that. But yes, they, but they not are not getting... A... They're not getting paid by the city. Everything they do is by donation. Understood. Oh, so they do get paid? I don't, not much. It's not like they get a salary. They they, they do, like, charity donations and, okay. you know what I mean? Like My context for volunteer fire departments is from The Lucy Show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll admit to not having a great handle on the concept from uh, any sort of nonfiction or modern standpoint. Also, I grew up in Miami. And it's there you taxis. Go. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> In September of eight, so sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, so sorry. In September of eighteen eleven, he said, "Quote, fuck this shit." <laughs> I'm really curious if he said that or not. <laughs> if Napoleon stood up there with his fuck little, the, well, he was, lace coat he was like said, five three, so he might have. Fuck this um, shit. And issued a royal decree which established a military unit trained in firefighting and housed in barracks to protect the city. Okay. So this is when it got militarized. Well, this is this is like Napoleon was like, I almost died in a fire. We need firemen. It's so interesting how it always seems to work that as long as it doesn't affect the rich, nothing changes. But once it does, then it does. He was like, Yeah, whoever's wife, she died too, but whatever. I'm still alive. It was moi. Say moi so almost got killed. So it, it's, it's both arrogant and tactful at the same time, which it's funny how that can work out. It's airful or tactgant. Yes, airful. <laughs> <laughs> From there, the, the size of the unit grew along with the city, and though today firefighters, both men and women, which I did watch on a, a, the Paris terrorist attacks documentary, uh, there's men and women like all over all the security forces in Paris. So they, they are, they've addressed the gender disparity. I think they addressed well. it a long okay. time ago. I think that's just, gotcha. I just think that's just how it is. How Good. it's been. It's fantastic. Uh, no fantastic. longer, no longer live in barracks permanently. They use stations and work shifts like the rest of us. They okay. are still, and they are still very much a military organization. Okay. And they are top notch too. I would hope from being a military unit. Yeah. Yeah. I've met a few of them over the years at international firefighting mm. conferences and have the utmost respect for their professionalism and abilities. As their motto says, Savier au Pierre. Uh, Save our parish. Savier au Pierre. Save our parish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, wow, that's actually really hardcore if you think about it. Yeah. Like either we that's save people or we die. Yeah. Well, that's like the, that is very military. Yeah. It is important to note that the, that the 1890s were the pinnacle of the horse drawn fire truck era, and Paris was no mm. different. Though I'm a city boy, I love horses. Sadly, my department phased out that last horse-drawn company 60 years before I was born and 79 years before I got hired. (laughs) If only I'd been born in 1878 instead of 1978. Something tells me that if anyone could have been happier 100 years ago, it it might be Lee. Lee. (laughs) 
In the 1890s, you had three types of fire apparatus, a steam engine, a hose wagon, and a ladder truck. Steam engine consisted of exactly that, a big steam engine on wheels. I've seen plenty of those. Pulled, in... Still pulled by horses? Mm-hmm. The steam was used to run a pump that drew water from the oh. hydrant and then sent it to the hoses. Oh, okay. It worked along the same principle as pumps work on modern fire engines. Mm-hmm. A hose wagon was combined with a steam engine, and together they made up an engine company. Today, an engine company is a single truck that has a pump, water, and hoses. Ladder- that's, that's funny. I didn't know. I didn't. And I've always wondered about that as vernacular, like an engine company. Mm-hmm. But today, an engine company is literally just one truck. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Ladder trucks consisted of a large spring operated wooden ladder. When you propped the lever, the ladder would raise. You could then move it from side to side and also extended it by way of levers. Engine companies put the fires out. Ladder companies handled forcible entry and ventilation just like today. Hmm. Unless you think modern is always better, the telegraph alarm systems they had in those days worked faster than modern 911 systems. Wow. Also, response times were faster. Hmm. Stations conducted daily drills on hooking up the hoses. Generally, horse-drawn companies could be out the door within 30 seconds of the alarm being pulled at the scene of the fire. And at the scene of the fire. Hmm. Today, the national standard in the U.S. is for paid fire departments to be out the door within two minutes of being alerted of the call. Hmm. That is not two minutes from the time a person calls 911, but rather two minutes after being dispatched. Mm -hmm. This varies from department to to department. And where I worked, our policy said we had to be without out the door within 45 seconds of receiving a daytime call and within 90 seconds of receiving a night call. So they had high, in, in that case, like kind of better than average uh, goals or yes. standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes, there were times when the alarm went off in the middle of the night, you'd slide mm-hmm. down the pole and see a battalion chief standing on the station floor with a stopwatch. Oh. When I was a lieutenant, yeah, right, Demetrius. When I was a lieutenant and ran my own company, we had the fastest turnout time in the department. Nice. We took great pride in this, unlike the rejects on B shift who were minutes <laughs> behind when seconds count. <laughs> you know what? You know what that must do to you, though. <laughs> That's really funny. That must fuck you up for the rest of your life, though, because you're used to waking up and probably being half dressed before you know it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Like, how how are you ever... <laughs> like, all right, I'm wow. going to work. And, like, <laughs> yeah. car started in, like, Cartoon, 97. Cartoon, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, imagine if that was, like, anybody else's, like, when you had to go to work. Like, right? you, had to, you had to be there in 90 seconds from the time you woke like, up. Like, oh, a client just emailed me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, so we took great we took great pride in this on like the rejects on B shift. That's really funny. <laughs> we had a three platoon system, which meant three shifts. I was an A shifter for life, as we used to say. I'd rather have a sister in a horror house than a brother on B shift. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably inappropriate. Let me clean that up. I would rather have a sister who was a sex worker than a brother who was a B shifter. <laughs> okay. Took longer and cost more money to train fire ho- horses than firefighters, which is why huh. the horse was more valuable to the department than mm-hmm. the man. New York City, for example, had ambulances for their horses decades before they had them for oh firefighters. God. In 1897, it was also possible to report fires using this new contraption called a telephone. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the bizarre De La, Chari- De La Charité fire was reported by phone. Huh. Phone call would go to a central receiving office where the firefighter on duty would take the information and then alert the nearest stations by telegraph using the box alarm system whereby certain stations 
were pre-assigned to every intersection in the city uh-huh. on a first, second, third, etc. alarm basis. So it was a code. Mm-hmm. It was essentially a code, so they would just, like, if it, they were assigned 10 intersections, then they would just listen for the yep. number and then just mm-hmm. go to that intersection. And it presumably just look for the smoke from it, there. Right. <laughs> to, well... Yeah, probably. Narrow in. It but that's s- very similar to like a 911 dispatch sure. now, just not computerized. Yeah. It may sound complicated, but again, it only took seconds to dispatch. It yeah. only sounds complicated to us. Right. It didn't sound complicated to somebody in 1897. You, well, and you just learn it and then you're yeah. set. Yeah. You don't need like it's like, a- it's like when people are like, oh, I don't know if I could have existed like. You exist in the time you exist in. Like you don't. You don't know any other. You wouldn't have a frame of reference. No. Because eventually, people are actually very soon going to look back at us and say, "How did they get along with just? How did they get along with just cable internet? Right. (laughs) Or just they didn't have it. They didn't have it implanted in their brains. (laughs) Like everything must have been so slow. (laughs) So, now we are on to shameless self promotion corner. Go for it, Lee. Oh. Yeah. Now <laughs> Sorry, these two... the cats think that. <laughs> now they think it's time to eat. <laughs> they do, they're both sta- But they know better. You can see their little faces. I have to take a picture now. <laughs> I have to take a picture of their little dis. Oh, not the TikTok. Little disappointed faces. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, you just got fed. But yeah, don't, yeah, don't do that to them again. <laughs> <laughs> I had to for the picture. If anybody, hey, look, they have a look of betrayal. If anybody is no longer wondering. We clap our hands when it's time for them to, to be fed, They so they know this. So, so whenever we clap for even, like, if we're watching a sporting event and start clapping, like, yeah, they, they they're are. like, oh, it's time to eat. It's time to eat. <laughs> of course they've started doing that just, like, when you come home. Mm-hmm. When anyone comes home ever, it's time to eat. Yes. So if historical firefighting is something you are interested in, I have something for you. Mm-hmm. In December, I signed a contract for my second novel. All right, here we go. Did I get the name right? Molly Song. Yay! With two sequels to follow. Oh my goodness! Molly Song contains. Wait, 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 I'm sorry. Just let me let me. No, finish I would this. like to congratulate. Lee. Oh, That's okay. A big deal. Of course. Two sequels. Yes. Signing a contract, a literary contract. That's huge. Yeah. That's awesome. That's. Fantastic! That's amazing. Good job, Lee. Wow. Molly's song contains some dramatic scenes of firefighters battling blazes in the middle of a full-blown urban insurgency. The New York City draft riots of 1863. Which he covered. I I know. Civil orgasms. And I wanted to cover that so bad, but it doesn't. It doesn't really fall. It doesn't fit. But Lee did a really good job on his podcast. I've got to listen to that. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't have a firm release date yet, but stay tuned for more information. Or if World War II nice. is your thing, check out my 2019 novel, So Others May Live, and ride along with firefighters in Berlin struggling to fight fires and save lives in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. It's not a terrible book. In fact, <laughs> Not a terrible book. In Very fact, humble. it won some awards and shit. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and he says it won some awards and shit. That's not me. No, right. <laughs> if time travel and firefighting interest you... I recommend Chicago 1871, written by my buddy and fellow retired fire lieutenant James Merle from the state of California. Nice. If you want a gripping fictional description of what it is like working in a busy inner city fire station today, check out Beneath the Flames by retired Milwaukee fire captain Greg Renz. Captain Renz is in the Wisconsin Fire and Police Hall of Fame for making a daring rescue of two boys trapped in a burning basement. Mm. He's a hell of a nice guy, too, and very gracious with his writing knowledge, and I am honored to know him. I always struggled to talk to my wife about what I saw at work. Mm. When I read, when I read, finished his book, when I finished his book, uh-huh. I handed it to her and said, "This is everything I ever wanted to say to you." Aww. 
or tell you about the job. Aww. And now, my friends, let us go to the fire itself. After all, I assume that is why you are here. Is that where we're stopping? No, no. We're, oh, we're going on to the bad thing. We're we're getting to. We're doing the ramp up. Yes, but not the. The full blown fire will be in the next episode. Okay. When are we getting to? Hmm? Uh, I'm I'm not sure if we're going to do that this episode or not. Okay. All right. So. Spoiler. <laughs> Surprise! What are we talking about? <laughs> so the location. In 1897, the decision was made to host that year's charity bazaar in a vacant warehouse in the 8th arrondissement. To dress it up a little inside, workers built a replica medieval-era street using wood, cardboard, paper mache, and cloth. Things that, oh my goodness. Things, things that don't burn very easily. Well, okay, so there's that. <laughs> but you know what's also really funny is that it sounds like humans have always been like, Let's why don't do we the... just why don't we just decorate the building with things that'll catch on fire? Well, no, uh, yes, that. <laughs> but also, people have apparently been forever obsessed with themes to things. Let's do medieval well, that's not streets. A, even two thousand years ago, when you had um, uh, the Colosseum in Rome, mm-hmm. where they would do the where they would do the um, the they would redo yes. The gladiators would redo like famous battles that had happened like five thousand years before. Yes, I didn't know that. that. Yes, so reenacting history, like yeah, reenactments. Because people are people just naturally are fascinated with history, where we come from, where you know. So oh, oh, it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) Jesse just got a little, little snippy with Demetrius. Snippy with his brother. He's giving him that look. Um. So, but it's but yeah. So you know this what it is... reminds me of it reminds me of like uh, the prom theme from was it Back to the Future the Under the Sea yes the Enchantment Under the Sea <laughs> Enchantment dance. Under the Sea dance that's what it reminds me of like it's the um, Enchantment of middle, medieval wait wasn't medieval times like the Black Plague and shit yeah would you really want to reenact <laughs> sure <laughs> the kids will love it um we are in a live reenactment of that now let's see us it's not as bad as that oh, not even God. close but uh it's different is yeah. what it is it is different it feels like it to us we're suffering we did, in different because we didn't exist in the 14th century thankfully. thank god <laughs> so he, he also says see see where this is going mm-hmm they also installed yeah, a false ceiling, which consisted of a tarp coated with tar. That, oh, God. What? No, 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 no. The total size of the warehouse was 80 meters long by 13 meters wide. That's not... That's... Jesse, yeah. come on, baby. That's 262 by 42 feet for you non-metric types. That's not, that's, that's not very big, is it? It's long and narrow is what it is. It's about the size of... Uh, actually, it's a little shorter and a little slimmer than a football field is what that is. So that's a, a relatively enclosed space, like mm-hmm. narrowish. Yeah. yeah. I've included a diagram and a photo with the pictures to go with the episode. Of particular excitement for attendees that year was the inclusion of a small theater inside, with one of them with one of the newfangled motion picture, <laughs> with motion one of picture. them newfangled motion picture cameras, ah. specifically a, cin- a cinematograph. A cinematograph. <laughs> my God. A cinematograph. Yes. I have actually seen one of those. I know what that really? is. Really? What are they? Um, like, what do they look like? Remember when we went to um, the uh, Singer Castle in yes, Alexandria I Bay? Do. Yes. They had one of those set up really? there. Yes. Is it like a very old fashioned? It's like uh, yes. It's older real? than yes. It's older than old. Um, and I think what came after this was the um, the electric television. I think it was called. Huh. 
it looked it was like a big box but yes they had one of these that's so interesting when I we went on that, that tour yes because okay. i remember seeing it because i'd seen pictures of them before okay. i mean like oh that's that thing that's how <laughs> that's how rich these people were they had well, their, for they back had then, yeah. they had their own movie theater inside their own castle yeah <laughs> In the late 19th century, seeing moving pictures was an excite was was as exciting as getting a glimpse of ladies' ankles. <laughs> <laughs> they had electricity in 1897, and so interior did have lighting. Wiring in the late 19th century was Ooh. interesting. I mean, it certainly worked, but it also had its drawbacks. Still, I'd prefer living with electricity to living without it. Growing up and living down here on the Redneck Riviera, a.k.a. the Gulf Coast, we are all too familiar with life without power when hurricanes pay us a visit. God, you know... And hurricanes love them some Louisiana. Must be the food they come here for. (laughs) Or maybe the music. (laughs) You know what I will say? Like, yes, being without electricity sucks, especially when you're in the South because of the fucking heat. Yep. In the dead of summer. um, But I will say... I think I would rather live without electricity than water, running water. That's the one thing I would say. Well, you need the running water to survive. You need the running water to not be disgusting at all possible points. So I think I would rather be super bored than grimy. But that's just me. (laughs) Okay. Now we know what 14th century Rachel would have been like. (laughs) Very clean, but bored. (laughs) (laughs) So May 4th, 1897. It was a grand day and the second day of the bazaar. Carriages came and went in front of 17 Rue Jean Juan, which is Rue means street. Oh, it's 17 in French. Uh, d- don't know. Don't remember. <laughs> Same. The location of the bazaar. Yeah. They discharged wealthy women dressed in their finest along with children and some men and, of course, servants. Once you entered through the doors, it would have looked as if you had stepped back into the Paris of the Qu- Quasimodo and Esmeralda era. Mm. The main entrance brought you into the middle of the building, and if you looked to your left and right, you could see down the length of the street. Directly across from the entrance was a fancy buffet. I'm sure it was full of delicacies. Don't you mean a buffet? Buffet. Along this recreated street, there were stalls where wealthy patronesses of various charities sold items to other wealthy women, with the proceeds going, at least in theory, (laughs) to aid the poor. You know, that's uh, that's something I've always gotten the impression of, that, like, charity was, quote, women's work oh, okay. at this period, like, kind of the world over. Um, that is, and especially, like, wealthy white women's work. Sure. It, it was, like, basically because they had nothing else to do, like, then it fell upon them to be the ones to have something to do. And frankly, that kind of is carried over. Um, yeah, it has. Yeah. So, it would be like if Congress had an antique sale to raise money for the public instead of giving us a $600, quote-unquote, stimulus, stimulus payment. payment. Oops, that'll probably cause a one-star review. <laughs> Go for it. Lee, if we get a one-star review because of you, we will wear that badge with honor, sir. Keep in mind that while the goal here was to raise money for charities, this was also a social event where rich folks like to show up to see and, more importantly, to be seen. Isn't it funny how charity events are often really just, like, advertising? Oh, God, yeah. There were attendees from all over Europe and even from as far away as the United States. One of your fellow visitors described the interior layout this way. It was a long gallery having small, narrow, picturesque houses, the shop standing open in which smiling ladies in bright costumes kept the stalls while 
Outside the shops were young assistants pressing the passers-by to enter and make purchases. So like, come on. Mm -hmm. So just like today. Come by, Shay. Really no different. Yeah. Maybe you stop and browse some of the trinkets and bric-a-brac. Perhaps you might spend a franc or two on some refreshments, you know, french fries and stuff. Or do we still call them freedom fries? Oh, <laughs> freedom fries. If there's another Home reason, street. if there's another reason, jeez, uh, I haven't thought of freedom fries in I a while. I know, right? If there's another reason to hate uh, George W. Bush and his administration of fucking criminals, it's free, really. Fucking freedom fries. Like, fucking Jesus really. Christ. Like, yeah. It's okay. Like one of the, uh, yep. One yep, of the most up. childish things that has ever been brought onto our society. One thing you would realize, though, was how crowded it was. Mm. After all, you are merely one of 1,800 visitors this day. People mm. were crammed into just about every available space. There was no AC back then, and the heat of the day mingled with the body heat of all the patrons. And this is in May, right? Early yes. May? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This coupled with the fact that this was in an era where hygiene, though much improved yeah. over previous eras, still wasn't quite up to 21st century standards, and I imagine the inside of this bazaar was an olfactory nightmare that not even generous dollops of perfume could cover. No, that is my nightmare about if I had lived in old-timey times or traveled back to old-timey times, is how disgusting it would be. Yeah. Compared to our modern. Compared. You know what? Yes. That is exactly right. It's just that it's compared. Mm-hmm. If you could travel back in time, the number one thing that would strike you right away, right away would not be what you could see, it would be what you could smell. Oh. That's something those PBS costume dramas on <laughs> Masterpiece Theater just don't quite convey. Or Bridgerton. They predict the past, they depict the past as a time when everyone was incredibly clean, had perfect yeah. teeth, was insanely handsome or beautiful, and no one ever pooped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really like that. I say this not to bash the French. This was pretty much all of Europe and yeah. the United States back then. Yeah. yeah, it was everywhere. Let's take a moment and talk about your clothing before we move on. Hmm. They had killer fashions in the, in the late 19th century. Literally. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, crinoline mm-hmm. yes, had fallen from popularity by the 1890s. Crinoline was, is like what mm-hmm. goes under skirts to make. It was widely known even at, that, even at this time for being flammable. Yeah. One well-known case occurred in 1861 when Fanny, the wife of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, oh. burned to death when her <gasps> dress caught fire at home. I didn't know that. Now, you would have to put on your very best clothes to attend this event. Mm. Your unmentionables mm-hmm. are made out of cotton fabric, and cotton likes to burn. Mm. Your dress isn't crinoline, but it is still susceptible to fire. Yeah. As an added bonus, if you were wearing a green dress, the dye probably contained dangerous levels of arsenic. Oh, jeez. When you carefully sculpted your hair atop your head that morning, uh-huh. you applied generous amounts of petroleum-based hair products. <laughs> yes, my friend, it is going to be a very bad day for you. Oh, my God. God. So you're just, like, slathering yourself in flammable material. Pretty much. Yeah. Oof. Like many of the guests, your attention would have been drawn to the small theater... Yeah, where you could see the moving picture show. Hmm. Seeing an image, image moving on the screen might scare you at first, but then <laughs> it also seems like it's magic. I'm sure it did seem like I that. I bet it did back then. You gasp and applaud along with the rest of the guests. This experience is brought to you by the way of the Lumiere brothers. They had gotten, ah! a, mm-hmm, they had gotten a glimpse of at Edison's kinetics, kinetoscope in 1894, and they mm-hmm. set out to make some improvements. Their cinematograph could do three things. It could take motion picture film, it could take and develop photos, and most importantly, 
it could project those picture images. Mm. This allowed moving pictures to be shown to an audience and not just an individual as this was the case with Edison's invention. Huh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that distinction. And the cinematograph. Cinematograph. Cinematograph only weighed, uh, yeah, only weighed 16 pounds. Oh. <laughs> and was easily, easy to transport. And set easy up. to transport. Yeah, it, only weigh, it only weighs 16 pounds. And it only takes uh, three hours to put together. To set up for 30 seconds of film, which is <laughs> yes, really what right. it was. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't a lot. It's like a horse jumping over yeah. a, a hedge or something. Yes. Yeah. That's actually like a mission in the very. Fr- in, yeah, in the very first Red Dead Redemption, you have to go to a, a theater to uh, meet somebody. A, a motion picture theater. A motion picture theater. The lamp on the projector was oxith- oxytheric, meaning it ran on a mixture of oxygen and ether. That's just... Oh, my God. <laughs> if you haven't already, dear listeners, this would be the time for a facepalm. <laughs> as you sit there in the theater, the picture suddenly goes away as the bulb burns out. But don't worry... They assure you that they can easily refill the bulb and continue on with the show. I'm sorry, refill the bulb? I guess. Holy shit. Someone closes a curtain to hide the men working on the projector, and behind the curtain, this is what happened according to the Pall Mall Gazette. Hmm. Bagra Chow, who was helping him, this is, quote, Bagra Chow, who was helping him, opened a wooden shutter so that the public should not remain in the dark. Oh, okay. He then returned and placed himself close to Bialak. Behind the curtain, which separated the lamp from the public and prevented the light from penetrating into the closet in which were the operators. So they're like, don't pay no attention to the man behind mm-hmm. the curtain. Yeah. Bilak unscrewed the stopper that closed the orifice of the lamp. He placed on the table a bottle containing ether. Then, accommodated by the darkness, he asked Bargachow for a light so that he could pour the liquid into the reservoir. Oh, no. Jesus. Meanwhile... Ether fumes had been leaking into oh, the atmosphere no. in the small projector room. Jesse. As soon as Bilex st- struck a match, the ether ignited. <gasps> oh my god. It is true that it was known in 1897 that ether was flammable, so I can only surmise that the men didn't think that enough mm-hmm. fumes were in the air to ignite. Immediately, the men start to blow on the fire like a birthday oh, candle no. in an attempt to put it out, but to no avail. It spreads to the overhead decorations and begins to move. Oh my god. All of this is happening behind a closed curtain, and so you have no idea until you hear one of the men frantically shout, <gasps> FIRE! Oh my god. It is 4.30 in the afternoon, and you are about to find yourself trapped in a hellish nightmare. <gasps> is that where we're stopping? And that. Oh my god. Is where we will leave off. Holy shit. To go into part two. This is a gas... Well... This was ignited by gas. Yes, by ether. And then accelerated by all the paper mache and... and... Well, think of the whole setup. You're in a long, narrow building. Enclosed space. With people literally just crammed in there. With not not just flammable objects decorating... People themselves are flammable uh, yes, because yes. of the fucking uh, because of the hair dye they're yeah. wearing. The the certain I mean, mm-hmm. what the fuck? My God! <laughs> oh my God! This is like um, so. You yourself are are flammable. flammable. Like can I you mean, ma- can you imagine like going anywhere in public today wearing something? That, well, you I, know mean, what I mean, technically we all wear clothes and right. we wear cotton and shit. So yeah, it's but but they don't have dyes and things the, on them yeah, that or poisonous like arsenic. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, that's that's next level. Like no or, wonder, no wonder, like the the average age of like lifespan <laughs> back then was like thirty five. <laughs> a lot of that was due to infant infant mortality. It was, but oh my god, what a and like your entertainment is what sparked it. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you know what's so what's so bizarre is like okay. Every fire we cover, like in a nightclub or whatever, where there's flammable material. That's kind of what this is. This is almost right? like a nightclub. It's pretty you much think been to turned yourself, into that. Like, well, surely we've learned from that. But we're now back in 1897, and it's where a lot of these fires. I, I mean, huge fires just happened all the time, all over the world at this time. Like, I mean, we've covered so many fires from the yeah. late 1900s, early 1900s, or um, late 1800s, early 1900s, that the whole fucking thing just went up like a tinderbox. God. <laughs> and that's just, that's just something you had to deal with. It was just a, a fact of life. Yeah. I, I, a risk of doing business. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it, it's. Wow. You know, it's, it's truly amazing. Like, it took that long. Oh, my God. Because you know... To figure out, yeah. Well, because you know that these things didn't happen, you know, just occasionally back then. They seemingly happened, like, all the time. And nobody was like, well, maybe we shouldn't hang... Should we do something Maybe we shouldn't hang paper mache all over the place. (laughs) Maybe there shouldn't be a revolt. Maybe doors should open outward instead of inward. Or have crash bars, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's funny, the stuff that seems intuitive now, of course... It, it, well, it's it's not always. Yeah, it's, it's just it's case. just literally something we've never had to deal with as a modern day society. Well, not, we've never not, not known. Right. Not yeah. to say that other other developing countries might be going sure. through the same mm-hmm. thing today right now, but here in America, that's just yeah, fires and stuff still happen, but not to this degree where you're talking about. Or if they do, it's because somebody fucked up or the regulations weren't. Yeah. enforced or or uh and even if it does like a mass ca- mass casualty mm-hmm. fire it happens few and far between they're not that frequent that's a, that's a good point like when was the last time i would think i would say 9-11 and that was no i feel like we've covered fire since i, I feel i'm like sure the, we have but i'm talking I feel about like, uh, what uh the very first the station was after was it was that's true that's true that was so that's that's kind of more what i mean yeah they tend to take place well this was no, it wasn't really the the late 1800s version of a nightclub. Not really. This was a, a different situation. But in closed space, mm. flammable Cram- materials used as decoration. as many people in there as you can. Yep. And and it's the thing is, it's not just to keep in mind, too, is like you could probably, fi- you could figure out like the person per square foot thing. But there were like booths, I would imagine. Mm. And like there was a theater and, and that sort of thing. So, but if, I mean, right up until the fire part, it sounds like it would have been a hopping place to be. Yeah, this is another situation where it's just hard to imagine being in a place with people. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> That's true. I I don't know about you, but I regularly, and by regularly, I mean maybe every couple weeks, have a dream about like being out without a mask and panicking because I'm not wearing a mask. I I, I have no or such just, dreams. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was, however, watching, uh, so the NHL season is back on. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that the last time we were on. But the Hurricanes had to take 10 days off yeah. because they had too many COVID cases. Yeah. So last night was their home opener. Oh, wow. With nobody there. Yeah. 
And it made me think of, it's been almost a year since since we've been to a game. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it was so weird watching it last night being like, I should be in, like, I I was just like, I want to go to a fucking game. As someone with a fair amount of social anxiety, I will (laughs) say that I've been like, not... What I have found is that when I do talk to anybody outside of, like, my usual circle, like, say, uh, oh, I was talking, um, onboarding new clients via a Zoom meeting, and they're very nice people, and we got to chatting a little bit, and I realized, I'm like, I think I'm chatting to them a little more than normal, because they're people, (laughs) and I don't really get to see people much anymore, so... Let me just chat with them. One of the first times we went out, like, during, in the early days of the pandemic, mm-hmm. we, I remember we, we went to Target one day because we had to just go get some things. Oh, and I and was you, all... And you chatted up the, the cashier, and I was just like... I was all totally, I was like, like who sociable. Is, I, I was just like, who is this person? Why this are is, you making is, small talk? Like, you don't is, make small like, talk. Like, this is not my wife. <laughs> this is not my beautiful wife. Do we have Invasion of the Body Snatchers going on at the same time? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> It's just, it, it's, uh, I, I do feel like I probably tolerate it unusually well compared to a lot of well, people just, because I'm not the, I, I am, I was raised to be socially isolated, so I'm kind of used to it, but, um, but yeah, it's weird to think back on events like this that is like, people were crammed in. I'm like, what does yeah, that Yeah, what does mean? that mean? How did that happen? How did anybody allow that, that to happen? <laughs> It's been so long because probably the last time we were in a crowded area was for that hockey for game. that hockey game. Yeah, and that was mid February last year. Yeah, we went out after that, mm-hmm. but well, actually, I should say a little before pa- St. Patrick's Day, just as this whole thing was exploding here in the states. Yeah, we went out. I played a gig. Yeah, and that was in a smaller like wine bar. Mm-hmm. And that was just, and I remember like seeing people and hugging people and stuff. And it, like, that was probably the last normal, quote, normal interaction I've had. And then, yeah, I mean, we all have our stories and we'll all be telling them to, well, I was going to say our grandchildren, but we won't have grandchildren. We'll tell them to the nieces. <laughs> we'll and tell them to somebody else's kids. grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like, why are you talking like, to me, strange like, yeah, old person? <laughs> like, yeah, our grandparents already told us this. You guys suck. <laughs> at least we didn't give birth to you ungrateful yeah. assholes get out of here <laughs> scram <laughs> i said i said buzz off kid oh <laughs> uh, uh, well done lee i'm i'm very i i can't say i'm looking forward to hearing the rest no. of this per, as in terms of what happened but i am greatly enjoying your writing as always so looking forward to hearing your your writing for the next episode and also thank you so much for making this a two-parter that's awesome yes please extraneous information put in whatever you want let's beef this shit up (laughs) we'll do like one topic 20 parts for the next 20 episodes there we go why not that's how it'll work just through taxis just through taxis and please (laughs) send help and then we'll come in our then next year we'll come our all bad things uh 25 part episode just on taxes looking at my copy and we, of the and, US and tax we will have, today. We will have three listeners by the time that series is done. All bad taxes. <laughs> They're all bad taxes. 
Uh, all right. So you get to you get to play oh, us. Yes, you get to play right, us out. Right. Sorry, I was uh, I was not used to that. <clears throat> so that was no good deed goes unpunished. The Bazaar de la Charité fire of eighteen ninety seven, part all. Un. Un. Mm. <laughs> Part one. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>